0: Welcome to the Future Christian Podcast, your source for insights and ideas on how to lead your church into the 21st century. At the Future Christian Podcast, we talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders for helpful advice and practical wisdom to help you and your community of faith walk boldly into the future. Now, here's your host, Lauren Richmond Jr.
1: Welcome to the Future Christian Podcast. Today we're doing a special roundtable episode with me, Lauren Richmond Jr., Ryan Panzer, and Jake Doberens, hosted by Martha Tatarnik. You hopefully know who I am, but for our two guests, Jake Doberens is a minister, writer, and business owner. Most of his energy goes into Theophany Media, a Christian education company exploring how creativity and technology can help the church teach the Bible better. Jake Dobarens is a polymath, identifying as a writer, teacher, minister, and creative thinker. Jake founded Theophany Media, a Christian education company exploring how creativity and technology can help the church teach the Bible better. He holds two degrees from Oklahoma Christian University, a Master of Theological Studies and a Bachelor's in Bible, with a minor in Communication Studies. His published work includes plays, nonfiction books, and novels, and he has produced podcasts such as Creatively Christian. Ryan Panzer is the author of Grace and Gigabytes, Being Church in a Tech-Shaped Culture, and The Holy and the Hybrid, Navigating the Church's Digital Reformation. Ryan has spent his career in the worlds of church leadership and technology. He received his M.A. from Luther Seminary while simultaneously working for Google. Ryan serves as a learning and leadership development professional in the technology industry, and as a speaker and writer on digital technology in the church. Ryan also serves as the theologian-in-residence at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Madison, Wisconsin. For more writings and resources, visit ryanpanzer.com. Oh, and a fun fact relevant to the show, this voiceover was done by Voiced Cloned AI. So, with that in mind, let's jump into the show.
2: Welcome to the Future Christian Podcast. I am your guest host this week, Martha Tatarnik, and today I am facilitating a panel discussion on the use of artificial intelligence in the church, including how to use it and how we should be faithfully interrogating its use. The reason why I'm facilitating this week is so that Lauren, our regular future Christian host, can be part of the panel. Now, Lauren doesn't really need any introduction, but also on our panel today, uh, we have Ryan Panzer and we have Jake Doberins. We have had both Jake and Ryan on the show before, so welcome back. Ryan and Jake, it's great to have you on Future Christian today. I think it would be helpful to take a moment to outline for our listeners your ministry context, and maybe, Ryan, you can go first.
3: Good to be here with you all today. Uh, I'm someone who has always had one foot in the door of the world of church, one foot in the door of the technology industry, do a lot of learning and development work uh, in the world of, of tech. In the church, I'm someone who's always thinking about these crossroads of, of technology and ministry. Uh, my congregation at the local level, I serve in a, a part-time role called the Theologian in Residence, where my job is to ask big questions about what God is up to in the world and what that means for, how, for our response as, as a local congregation.
2: That's fascinating, Ryan. Thank you. And uh, Jake, can you tell us a little bit about your ministry context?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been in different church roles throughout my life. Uh, right now, I'm doing more pulpit supply, uh, bouncing around to different places and preaching on a Sunday morning. Other times I've done college ministry and associate ministry and youth ministry. I'm also in Christian education, so I am teaching at a Christian school right now and hanging out with some of those youngsters and trying to help them navigate the world and all the big questions.
2: Awesome. Well, we have quite a few different ministry contexts represented between the three of you. I have to say that uh, I've just been mentioning to a few friends and colleagues about our conversation today being on the horizon. And I think we are really tapping into a live conversation that people just have a lot of questions and a lot of fears and a lot of uncertainty about. So I'm super grateful to all three of you for being willing to engage this conversation in a deeper and uh, and very thoughtful way. Um, So getting into our hot topic, artificial intelligence in ministry, as quickly as possible, let's just take a moment to go around the uh, Zoom screen or the the studio screen here, and uh, each one of you could share some examples of where you're finding AI useful in ministry right now. Lauren, you haven't had a chance to talk yet, so why don't you tell us how you're using AI?
1: Yeah, let me just say, like firsthand, like most likely, I'm going to use AI to record. A voiceover introduction for this episode so i've used an ai platform to clone my voice and we'll since i hate doing voiceovers i'll have the cloned voice of me do the voiceover introduction for this episode so i've been using ai a lot more recently especially in in context of this podcast to do show notes summaries um things like that so Certainly, there's other ways I've I've used it um, in ministry, um, but I don't want to. I'm sure these guys have also used them, so I want to hear their their th- stories too here.
2: And uh, just if I can kind of summarize, Lauren, like you said, you hate doing voiceovers, but is it like primarily a time saving tool that you're using it for?
1: Would that yeah. be like fair? Right. That's a. That's for me what's been most ideal is like rather than me feeling like I need to do three or four takes to get like a good without me stumbling over words. For instance, like I know I can just pop the word doc or the the text into the AI tool and it'll just produce something. You know, it it sounds if you're paying attention, you can tell it sounds a little off. But also like when I played samples back people, they're like, that sounds like you. Yeah. But it does. It does. And especially like on a day like today where I'm home with kids and dogs and I need to ensure quiet. Like I know that AI will do it without too many background interruptions. Right, right.
2: Okay, that's good. Jake, how about you? How do you use AI in the industry?
4: I like to use AI as kind of a brainstorming partner a lot, Uh, it can help me. Uh, get some ideas going and it can remind me of stories or scripture with kind of very little input. So I could be like, you know, that one scripture about the thing with the other thing and you know, whatever barely the, the, the bare minimum details I give it, it can often give me exactly what I'm looking for Uh much better than like a Google search kind of thing, which needs those keywords that it's looking for. The AI is a little more intuitive. Um, and then secondly, I love to use it to edit because I hate editing my work. When I write it, I want to be done with it. Never see it again for some reason. And so I have built some custom chat GPTs and things like that, that will edit my work um, and won't change the style too much. And will just make it a little prettier. So I use that for different kind of online content and, and different things like that. And, my faithful and funny newsletter that I put out every week. Um, I make the AI do the editing for me, the text editing, so I don't have to. So a couple of the few ways I mainly use it, AI in my ministry. Okay,
2: so like some time-saving tools as well, but also offloading some of the, um, the jobs that you don't enjoy as much. And then I, I like that as sort of a, a conversational uh, companion who has a better memory bank and you know better instant recall than we sometimes have it's good how about you ryan
3: mostly at this point i'm using ai to repurpose content Hmm. so in in my uh ministry role at the congregation we we do a lot of sermon series and sometimes we'll extend that sermon series with a youth group lesson or a confirmation lesson and AI is really good at taking a sermon manuscript and, and repurposing it, creating a lesson plan based on the, the text of the sermon and the text of the reading that the that sermon is, is based off of. Uh, we've also been doing that same thing with blog posts. So we can ask ChatGPT, for example, to write a 300-word blog post based on a 1,500 to 2,000-word sermon. And it's really good at condensing the ideas from that text into something that can be used in maybe an email communication.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that is uh, that is sort of the epitome, I think, of that artificial intelligence is that ability to synthesize ideas in similar ways to how our human brain actually works. It's Certainly. incredible. Yeah. So I think um, just going around the table, I'm getting a sense about this next question, but what would you each say is, most exciting about artificial intelligence and where do you see the greatest potential and possibility like we know that we're really just on the cusp of all that is going to become possible with ai so i'm interested in what excites you now and into the future who wants to jump in first
3: I'd be happy to, to to share a few thoughts on that one. So yeah. uh, I'm actually less excited about AI as a productivity booster. I think that's what AI does well right now, but mm. I don't know if productivity is so great of a value that we should put all of our emphasis there. What I'm most a- excited about when it comes to AI is as a, is a tool or companion for helping us to articulate our story. Mm. When we think about articulating a faith story, it seems like this daunting task to so many of us. Uh, It involves, first of all, some confidence, having a little background in scripture, maybe a little bit of theology, maybe some coaching from uh, someone who's in a ministry role. AI can take some of that work on alongside of us and in that way become something of a coach or a companion for helping us to share a a cohesive and coherent story of what faith means in the particulars of of our life. And and I think that that vision of of using AI to help us articulate stories can be so powerful in a church context.
2: Yeah, I I think that that isn't uh, the first thing that people think of in terms of AI and ministry. So we love that as an answer. How about you, Jake?
4: Well, I can't say using it as a productivity tool um, I my immediate thought was not so much in the productivity tool thing which which I agree is not maybe is maybe how we think of it a lot but I, I think the greatest kind of what I'm excited for for the future rather is how it allows us to kind of live in our zone of genius where whatever role you're in um, ministry or a different context there's a lot of the less glamorous, uh, less attractive parts of your work and AI can kind of take over that. So, you know, whether that's maybe whether we call that productivity or whatever, um, like with the editing or whatnot, the parts I don't like as much, I can outsource that in different ways and focus on the part that I do like, or the part that I really feel God has called me to. And I know a lot of ministers and, and people in the church, have sort of this this one reason they got into ministry, this one zone of genius, but then there's these other tasks, administrative stuff, all this other stuff that can kind of can get caught up in, and sometimes that becomes much more of the work than we originally wanted to. So I'm just generally excited about how it can allow us as gifted individuals to lean into that gift, to lean into the things that God has has really made us excel in, and be able to sort of outsource or or have kind of another tool to help us in the parts that maybe we're not as gifted in or not particularly called uh, to do, if you will.
2: I'm really struck by that because um, that's so much the conversation that we have about team ministry, Mm -hmm. You know that we want to put ourselves in team situations where we can really lean into our giftedness. And so to imagine AI as being part of how we source that, team ministry model I think is uh, pretty powerful sorry Lauren what were you going to say
1: no I I feel like we're getting a lot of crossover but I was just going to say like to me it's like a third brain or, or really like a gazillion brains right so if it's like if I'm like in a writer's block scenario like like I've, I've done something where like I've been like I need a pastoral prayer on this text um, and I've edited it a good bit but it kind of helped me get started. Um, so I can have, I've always been one where it's like whether it's feasting on the word or one of these other kind of lectionary prayers or tools, uh, book tools, like I've always used those to kind of get my brain going, uh, and to have something to start with. So I, I found it helpful for that, um, that context.
2: Yeah. Like a, a creativity, um, instigator. That's, it's good. Um, Okay, I have to say when I've been chatting with my friends and colleagues about today's uh, topic, generally, all of the things that you have just outlined isn't people's first go to in terms of talking about AI. Um, What I hear is just tremendous fear and uncertainty around ai in the church so um you guys all have your fingers on the pulse where do you see those fears kind of cropping up the most what what do you think it is that people um feel most anxious about in the church and in general about ai and like to what degree do you think that these fears are are founded
4: well I uh, work with a lot of um, writers and creatives and the different kinds of ministries and podcasts and things that I've done and creatives are scared about what will be replaced when AI moves in, what are we Mm. losing? And they're scared specifically that losing that ability to create, whether that's, there's going to be AI covers. So that means cover artists lose their job or, AI is going to be popping out books left and right. And then there goes all the author's jobs or something like that. And I think in some cases, the right question, um, you know, with, with philosophers and, and, and theorists like Marshall McLuhan, that talks about technology. When a new technology comes on the scene, it replaces something that, that's what technology does. It always replaces something we had before. And that's absolutely something we should be concerned about. But when I'm talking to these creatives and things like that, and, and well, yeah, there's some things to fear. Luckily, AI isn't the best ever in the world at some of these more creative things. There's a good chance it will get there sometime. But right now, we can tell you there's nine fingers on that one guy's hand in the image, and you know that the story is really flat and boring, and um, you know something that might not be as interesting. So there's still room for creatives. And I I just encourage them to all the more use those tools to help you tell your story better. Kind of like what Ryan was saying, but a little different context. Um, There's still a place for the human. And I think we're reaching a point where that might become more valuable to have that human creativity. Uh, It's just people people fear all that replacement, uh, that's going to happen. And it's legitimate, but I I think there's still room for the human. We're still going to need what is human, even in this age of artificial intelligence.
2: Yeah, I think that that is a a big piece of people's concerns. And of course, it's not a new concern, right? Because we see so many uh, technologies that have developed over the last number of generations that have indeed kind of outsourced a lot of human labor that that used to provide jobs and um you know kind of all of those those pieces of of human contribution that just are are no longer needed so um yeah i i think that the the outsourcing can be a slippery slope um, but the companion piece can be extremely valuable in terms of extending human creativity. So I think that's important to articulate. Um, Lauren or Ryan, do you think that there are other fears out there that that
3: we also need
2: to to name?
3: Likely, the fear that's been named the most in the media is, is has to do with what Jake just described, which is job displacement, job loss, and indeed, like part of the Hollywood writer strike was was yeah. based around the idea that. A.I. would display screenwriters by generating prompts and, and coming up with lists of ideas for how to write a new Hollywood script. Uh, ultimately, what A.I. can do is it can write a C- minus essay for you. It can write probably a, 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 a B or B- minus type screenplay. What A.I. struggles to do is to ask the questions that are really intrinsic to the creative process to frame an issue in a new light, to stand from a new vantage point and interpret a situation. And that's why AI is such an effective assistant, because once we figured out what questions to ask, AI is able to do some of the the, uh, manual and time-intensive tasks that come with answering that specific question. So while the, the fear has to do with job displacement, I think the response needs to be Let's train our communities to be really effective in the processes of problem solving, critical thinking, and asking theologically reflective questions. If we can do those things well, AI is unlikely to displace those, the, those, those particular skills. Uh, AI can then help us to use those questions for more creative inputs uh, by helping us to arrive at the answers with a little bit more efficiency and effectiveness.
2: Yeah. And Ryan, you have written some really good articles on like refining that, that companionship with, with AI in terms of how uh, the human being can, can more refine their, the questions that they ask, the prompts that they give, and um, the contributions that are sort of unique to our human offering in. Uh, in opposition to ai or in contrast to ai i guess what i would say though um in terms of the fears that i am hearing articulated is that uh you know just because artificial intelligence doesn't excel in some of those areas right now doesn't mean that um that isn't on the horizon like we we do seem to be uh training or creating, um, computers that more and more deeply mimic the, the way that the human brain functions. And I think that that, that, uh, overtaking of the, the particularly human dimensions of our thinking, um, I think that's in the ether out there right now.
1: I'm reminded of like, some of the my favorite like iRobot or of course like the original Terminator movies, you know, where it's really this kind of ultra intelligence that kind of takes over to, for humanity's sake and says like hey, humans are not capable of governing or functioning on their own volition like they need some kind of oversight. So I think that's that's ultimately out there. you know I, I think about this when I think about like for instance, AI video or the ability to create a media, a visual media that's not obviously real life. Like I was looking at a site that does AI headshots, and I've wondered, like, oh, should I do an AI headshot, or is it, you know, is it obvious that that's fake? um I think we're seeing some implications already, and I imagine we'll probably see some here in the states before the election in the fall of like AI video of maybe you know. Biden looking stupid or Trump looking stupid or, you know, something to that effect that it really kind of diminishes one of the candidates. I think there's already an example, right, of like uh, an AI or AI photo of Trump with some African-American people. Uh, So I think like in a church context, like I I can think about that as a pastor of just the danger of like someone potentially wanting to cause harm to your community. And with AI, you can produce content at such, like, because of the speed, like, content can be produced, whether it's a, a, a d- diminishing video or, or a, a a tweet or a post or whatever, that it's almost impossible to respond and, and refute the evidence with, with evidence, refute with evidence, it, it, it almost becomes overwhelming that you, you, you've just lost to uh, sort of what to be political for a second here, like what the former president has done. Where it's like if you just keep lying it, it almost becomes impossible to to refute the lie. So I think that's just thinking like from a you know from an institutional perspective as a leader of an institution that's one kind of a fear I guess I might have of potential for for ill actors.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think um I think that's absolutely true. I think that that fine line between like what is fake and what is authentically a synthesis of, you know, ideas that are out there. Does that make it fake if it didn't come from a human being versus, um, like, is it an extension of, of our own creative processes? I think those blurred lines become, um, really interesting to sort out. For example, a lot of my friends who are in education, like the current, Rules around plagiarism don't cover AI because AI is not plagiarism. It like the use of AI to write a, a college essay, for example, it's not plagiarizing. Like you're, it's cr- it's original content, um, and it can be argued that it's you know in a, a synthesis of the author's own ideas. So yeah, I think all of those. Um, categories get broken down and need to be redefined in in particular ways as well
3: um, one of the other challenges that's that's facing uh those in ministry work is the uh perhaps very real threat that people will instead of taking their questions of of faith and spirituality to a pastor or a small group leader that they'll take them to chad GT or google gemini and that is maybe an underrated concern and one i think we need to be thinking more about you know what happens when instead of asking the questions of doubt or or, or scrutinizing one's faith somebody just takes those same questions to a, a chatbot which is available 24/7 365 i think in some ways we have to be articulating uh what to look for when it comes to a chatbot and and ai and how to screen out what's true and authoritative and valid from what merits con- conversation with with a a real embodied and hopefully trained and skilled human being
2: yeah and i mean i think that that is kind of the the other um companion piece to that is like are we sort of making relationships a a bit redundant like human relationships in general if if you can have, on one hand, a, a friend who may or may not be available when you need to talk to them, may or may not be able to actually hear what you're saying and put their own stuff in the background in order to respond in a caring way versus uh, this constantly available option for um, being able to get a response that is maybe exactly what you need in that moment. Um without having to deal with kind of all of the mess and disappointment of human relationship. It's, it's, uh, I I think valid concerns, but on the other hand, I think that all of you have articulated ways in which AI can actually be clarifying for the life of the church, for the role of the pastor, for the, the importance of human community. Um, what would you, what would you kind of say, are are the clarifying things about the those roles for us in response to AI?
3: Well, to to, to name one that I'm particularly interested in is it can draw in more sources to our dialogue. Uh, if if we if we learn to use AI well, it, it doesn't just give you one response is the only answer to a question it can help you to draw on different interpretations different traditions and different source material to engage your conversation when we think about uh like clarifying uh capabilities it's that ability to enrich our understanding through uh, better access to more source material uh, for example i just i just asked uh, a second ago chat gpt a, a really interesting theological question coming in for good friday why did jesus die and instead of giving me one perspective, which I thought it might, it actually gave me five different answers, uh, giving me more of a widely shared conventional uh, orthodox point of view, as well as some points of view from uh, uh, post-Christian theology and liberation theology. And what would be interesting is to then pursue a, a train of thought where I ask ChatGPT to to clarify those perspectives and maybe even recommend a book or an author or a scholar from from each of those perspectives. So I'm really excited about. Drawing us uh, AI's ability to draw us deeper into some of these really meaningful and big questions that we, to a large extent, just can't answer in and of ourselves.
2: Yeah, so it kind of um, expands the limits of the the conversations that we would otherwise be having. I like that. Um, You know, you kind of mentioned a minute ago. Ryan and I'm interested to hear from Lauren and Jake on this, like that there's this fear of of AI uh, kind of supplanting the the role of the pastor. Um, you can just go to Chat GPT instead of going to your pastor about the big questions. But are there ways in which AI makes it more clear what the role of the pastor is? Are there ways in which it actually makes the role of the pastor more necessary.
4: Um, Well, the first thing that I want to note is that there was actually a study done about how more neurodivergent people would rather talk to a chatbot than a human, which I, I note in my book as one way that we can utilize AI to expand the reach of the church for people that might not be comfortable in those spaces or, or something like that. And so I do think that is really interesting. I think that was a study out of the university of Connecticut. I want to say, um, but then more to your point about how that might kind of clarify the role of a pastor. I am. a you know, 100% a fan of the local pastor, um, doing what a pastor does shepherding that local community in, in, Ways that they can, and you know, I've already mentioned ways in which it can free up time and get that pastor in that kind of zone of genius where they're doing what they're best at and doing more of the relationship building when people want it. So, I have a suspicion that the people that might really want to talk to the human being, um. Given an AI, they're probably still gonna choose to talk to the human being. So I think it's expanding some of the reach to the people that might not already want to initiate a relationship with that. Yeah, and I'll I'll add
1: on to that, like, and of course I'm thinking about this through the through the lens of Andrew Root since I'm obsessed with his work right now. Um but having just finished the past from the secular age like I'm thinking about how the role of pastor is like distributor of sacrament, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and to, to uh, Jake's point of like clarifying or simplifying the role. Um, it really does allow the pastor to really like to just, to again, use the sacramental language, like to be a, a conveyor of grace Um Unless, so I think that's that's interesting. you yeah, know, there's so much overlap, obviously in what we're saying, but I think it really does uh, simplify like Jake was saying about what the pastor needs to do,
2: yeah, Lauren, you know, I'm also kind of thinking about uh, your conversation with Jake Kim a couple of episodes ago, and he described that difference between um, like information and transformation and at, uh the transformation being embodied, like I, I wonder to to what degree um, the embodied community of faith, the the sacramental, the in person, the messy, the flawed, kind of all of those pieces just become that much more valuable and essential in in the walk of faith. Um, you know, maybe we have more more patience for all of those human shortcomings um because like we see how how valuable they are
3: part of a congregation that's currently starting the process of calling a new pastor and we're we're assembling a a ministry site profile and just finished a large-scale survey of the congregation to identify the, the the top skill and the top need for this new pastor and over ninety percent of those survey responses identified preaching and teaching as uh, the number one thing that we would be seeking in, in this position. One of the challenges with with uh, uh, churches these days is is people are encountering are encountering pastors uh, increasingly, almost exclusively through uh, the pulpit and what's said on Sunday mornings. And at a very practical level, if pastors can use AI to be uh better teachers and preachers of the word in the setting where they're also administering the sacraments, then that is a uh fulfilling expression of of uh of Christian ordained ministry.
2: Hmm. Yeah I love that that's really well said. Okay, so let's uh let's put a, some more uh explicitly theological uh language to this or biblical language to this. Um, I think that there is an interpretive lens on all of the most powerful technologies that we've, that we've created over the last number of decades, um, that sees these major breakthroughs in, um, in human technology, uh, as a sort of tower of Babel situation. I think that that is, uh, Biblical story that continues to resonate very deeply into our world today. Um, we we often ask how high we can build a tower without asking whether we should build the tower that high. Um, what is what uh, what is dangerous about building the tower that high? So you know we're living in a day and age where we can clone human life where we can alter the genetic code. Um, and with the the further development of AI, you know, we're very in a very real way um creating consciousness, creating the ability for machines to think in ways that are um sometimes indecipherable from how a real human being is thinking. Um, and you know, in all of those pretty phenomenal uh, technological developments, there aren't always forums for talking about the potential harm that is uh, unleashed on creation when we develop these sorts of technologies. So what theological lens do you bring to? this technology? What what would be your response to that Tower of Babel parallel?
3: Well, I, I guess as uh, a lifelong Lutheran, I, I would have to respond to that with Martin Luther's idea of, of being simultaneously saint and, and sinner and how these technologies are created by people who are fully redeemed and also broken at the same time. Uh, our use of these technologies will be uh, uplifting and destructive at, 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 at moments, it doesn't mean we shouldn't engage the thoughtful use of uh, defining how best to use these technologies and how not to use these technologies. I, perhaps that, that, that framework of um, simultaneously saint and sinner is the one that I, I find continues to scale across all technological developments because it reminds us that even on the best days, these technologies are still deeply flawed, and even on their worst days, there are still hopeful applications.
2: Yeah, that's some good nuance because I I think what often limits uh, our ethical wrestling with with these kinds of issues is that um, we tend to have very polarized opinions about whether or not these things should be embraced or or resisted. And uh, that saint and sinner offers some really important
3: nuance. And then, just to respond briefly to your comment about consciousness, you know, people disagree with what defines consciousness. There's no universally accepted uh, description of of what is consciousness, and even a, the ability of a computer to imitate a human being uh, deceptively—that's been around since Alan Turing in the the, the mid 20th uh, century. So, so these questions about uh, at what point does AI become conscious? At what point be, does it become sentient? Uh, these are philosophically loaded conversations that we need to be having. What better to have those com- pl- better place to have those conversations than in a, a theologically grounded setting like a church?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, truly.
4: So, some of the theological lenses I bring to the table uh, is this concept that we sometimes call plundering the Egyptians um, and that's the name I like to use because it it comes back to this idea in Exodus where um, the Israelites stole slash were given the gold of the Egyptians. They they plundered them without actually really plundering and then they took off and later some of that gold became used in the tabernacle and then the temple of God. And some of that was probably used for the golden calf, so there's also that aspect of it. But I, I see that as my my approach to technology or the world's inventions is: what can we what can we take from the good from the world and and then redeem it uh, for good? And so I'm excited about things like new technologies because I think there's a lot of good in there, and we should always be Uh, aware of what it takes away and how it could be potentially misused, but let's quote-unquote plunder the Egyptians. Let's take that gold and turn it into something good in our church spaces. And Christians have always kind of been at the forefront of technology even the concept of a book with pages that opens at a spine uh, is a technology that Christians really popularized in the early church, moving from scrolls to, to codexes to books. And so Christians have always been at the forefront of taking this technology from the world and seeing how can this be used for God? From the printing press to you know, televangelists, whether you like them or not, we have been doing this for a while. And as long as we're cautious and critical and don't think that things can only be good, because as Ryan pointed out, you know, these are ultimately human inventions. And so they are morally uh, ambiguous. They can go either way. And so we got to be careful. But my approach is let's take what we can. take, take the good stuff from it and use that for the glory of God in our churches in our Christian communities, um, let's take that and and make the world a little bit better. How about you, Lauren? Yeah, I just kind of
1: piggyback on what uh, Jake is saying. Like, I've lamented and I continue to lament, like, I'm big, or I really nerd out on, well, a lot of things, but ethics, for instance, you know, and I, I am, I guess I'd call myself like a virtue ethicist. Uh, you know, I was thinking about, like, recently how, like, in the last year or two, like, NIL, AI, and um, the NCA. Oh no, who's the third one? Crypto has asked for like government regulation, like they've asked for guidance, rather than them just being like, "Hey, we're going to act virtuously and set our own kind of broad principle." So I, I think that's like an overriding principle that we need to think about, like what's most virtuous, or we might say what's most Christ-like, what's the most godly, rather than. Uh, because i just i found again and again when it, when we set like hard fast rules like we can always find a way to to go against a rule or or um uh, you know read between the lines or feel like oh we're not breaking the rules but like what's what's most virtuous and really that, let that be our guide what's most christ like
2: okay i mean all of you have named like the need for caution and carefulness as well so like if you were going to issue one caution to our listeners in embracing ai what what would be the caution that you would offer
1: okay i'm gonna jump in here because i have one that i've been like excited to share and it it goes back to my episode with jay kim like he mentioned uh, he said something about I think it was a Dallas Willard quote about how, like, when the word leaves the preacher, like the most powerful thing happens when those words leave the preacher's mouth and enter into the hearer's ears and brain. Like, I wonder, like, does something, like, does something theological or 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 supernatural happen if those words are coming out of like a computer? You know, if there's like an AI preacher.
2: Okay, so that's your your. Cautionary question. What about uh, you, Ryan?
3: I would have two responses. So, on the w- uh, one hand, a caution for those who uh, think they don't need to engage with these tools because they're either not useful or, or not worthy of use. My caution would be not to sit this out. This is a generationally transformative technology that we are seeing emerge. And the ministries that learn to use this thoughtfully will be the ministries who uh, are likely to be still around decades from now. This is something we can't afford to sit out in, in the church context. Uh, for those who are inclined to use uh, AI, um, I would have a different caution, which would be to hedge into nuance Every output that you see from, from 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 these tools, one of the great hangups I have with ChatGPT is, of course, that it doesn't cite its sources. So all mm-hmm. of the everything that we're reading is the output of of AI, uh, is is the product of the average of the internet's commentary on a particular subject. We have to nuance these outputs when we utilize them. We have to put our own interpretive lens on uh, on on these types of statements. And if we take it face value, everything that we're getting, whether it's a text or a visual or video output, uh, in some ways we are beholden to forces that we don't completely understand.
4: What about you, Jake? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest caution is to, um, with AI, never forget the human part of the, of the church of the show, I had a great conversation on the thinking theological podcast about this subject. And one of the things that the host uh, Spencer brought up that I've been thinking about a lot since then is, well, what if you are outsourcing to AI things that members of your church could do? If you have a graphic design person in your church, you know, is it okay to let AI do that for free in, you know, three seconds, create your church logo or whatever you need? And I think that's a valuable point. I think that, you know, just because we can doesn't mean we should. And you talked about that a little bit, Martha, and that's also sort of a Jurassic Park quote, which maybe that's more applicable than we care to admit. But just because we can use yeah. AI to to do whatever um, doesn't mean we always should. And specifically for me, it's, when it comes to the human community in the local church. So if I have a local church member whose gifting is graphic design or editing or event planning or whatever, then I think maybe I shouldn't outsource that to AI. Even though I could if 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 a human will volunteer to do that if they have the skills, I want to make sure they're being able to utilize your gifts. So that kind of comes back to one of those fears I mentioned about replacement. Uh, let's also remember to balance the human as we balance the artificial.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I As you're talking, Jake, I again, call to mind a recent conversation that I've had around team ministry here in my church context, because I have a, a new co-rector um, in our parish. And when we were talking with uh, a coach about how we were going to divide labor between the two of us in our ministry context, um, one of the cautions that he offered was, like, you do want to lean into your gifts but you also don't want to completely outsource to the other person, all the things that you find challenging or that you don't like, right? Like there is something about um, our own human journey and development that is enriched by having to do some of those things that don't come easily that, um, that, you know, aren't our favorites. There are, yeah, so I think that that would be a, a caution that I would bring to the AI table too, especially in terms of how we're considering this to be part of uh, of that ministry context. Not just like we don't want to replace the gifts of another human being, as you say, Jake, who could do that graphic design or that that event planning for us, but but we don't want to um, we don't want to kind of lose out on some of those internal challenges, too, for ourselves, I think. Um, Okay, so, you know, getting into that sci-fi realm, um, and, you know, Lauren, you referenced some of those long-ago movies that, uh, that seem more and more either on the nose or uh, a million years away from what has actually transpired but um, that question of consciousness is I think sort of more and more a reality that's on the horizon like at what point do we ascribe consciousness to machines at what point do we um, kind of say, yeah, these human-created machines are actually thinking for themselves. Um, I think we have a lot of fears associated with that. I think we have fears around robots being a lot better at running the world than uh, than human beings, and suddenly we have uh, the, the servant becoming the master. But I wonder... Um, whether there's a line that we have to identify where we have responsibility toward these thinking machines um and where they also you know have um uh, have a place in God's creation that we need to to carefully steward. Any thoughts about about those lines around consciousness?
1: Let me let me start the conversation just because I was thinking about this. Hearing a podcast with Esau McCauley, who talked about the importance of the Imago Day in in his his Afri- his black church tradition. You know, I was thinking. I'm just thinking about in this lens, like um, we could say, like God has chosen to create in God's image uh, humans, um, and it's only humans, at least I believe, that are created in God's image. Um, So God has theoretically entered into this assignment or this agreement with humanity, knowing that we are flawed human beings. Um, And obviously there's some soteriological stuff there, too. Um, So, you know, I think about, like, if God wanted to create, like, us as robots, like, God could have done that. Um, So I think for me that kind of frames, it's kind of like my framing reference of, like, our humanity is the brokenness and all, as Jake and Ryan have alluded to, is is I think something that is distinct and important, and uh, our image bearing of God.
4: Mm.
3: Mm. Uh, Martha, I don't know if there's a particular like line in the sand that AI can't be allowed to cross. I don't know. At least I don't know if we could identify that specific point right now. I think what's More important in the short term is to really think uh, critically about what does it mean to be a person. What does it mean to be created in the image of 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 God? And at what point do we ascribe personhood? Uh, We almost have to start the conversation with those really big uh, theological and philosophical questions that go back to the ancient ancient tradition. And if only only then can we start to answer the question of what are the red lines that AI cannot be allowed to cross.
2: Yeah, okay. I hear that. Jake, do you wanna jump in there?
4: Absolutely. Because it's something I've thought about that I don't have an answer to, so I'll just spoil alert. Um there's not an easy answer here. But and while I affirm the Imago Day I I recognize that as science has progressed, there's so many different ways that we've seen how the things that we thought were uniquely human aren't necessarily only for us. So, you know, animals have been seen using tools and uh, certain animals have something that seems like a language. Animals can be altruistic. We thought that was our thing, but uh, you know, we, we see these different things in nature. So, I, I still ultimately think there is something unique about humanity, but we can't really say that, oh, it's this one thing that makes us separate from the beasts of the earth. It's not quite one thing, I don't think. So that's where, as Ryan mentioned, those lines are ugh, difficult. Having said all that, when we approach AI, and as it gets smarter and smarter and smarter, I think we have to potentially think about uh, giving it a sort of moral value, even if we don't give it the same, you know, respect as a regular human. Uh, Joshua K. Smith writes in his book, Robot Theology, about this concept of moral patiency. And the idea with moral patiency is whether or not something has a conscience or whatever, we still kind of abs- subscribe to a certain moral value. And so like he uses the examples of most of us probably agree like kicking a dog is bad. We we don't kick dogs. We don't, we don't want to abuse animals. Um, and we do draw some lines, right? Cause like if I step on an ant, probably nobody's crying about that. But with some of these more higher level creatures, we actually put laws into place. And you know, if I have a dog and you kick my dog, like we're going to have a problem, you know? Um, so the concept of moral patiency is it, we're not talking about we don't need to know whether the dog has a conscience or anything like that, but we are nice to it. We we are still kind. We have a, an expectation, cultural perhaps sometimes legal, but there's this expectation, and I think we might have to apply the same to robots. Whereas we at least respect robots enough, where kicking a robot is bad. You know, Maybe if you kick your Roomba, I'll forgive you, but as things get more advanced, I do think we need to think, like Joshua K. Smith is talking about in his book, we have to think about respecting them as if they had some level of moral conscious, whether or not they do, because we can't really peek inside and point to the conscious, but there's still maybe a relationship we need to have, whether or not that's a thing.
2: Yeah, I think those—that's kind of the line in the sand that I am thinking about the most is: at what point do we have? Um, do we ascribe rights to to robots? At what point do we understand that we have responsibility toward how they are treated, as we have responsibility toward other creatures um, that that share in? Our labor and um, are part of our our lives and our families and our relationships. Um, I, I think that those questions are seeming less and less abstract as we get further and further along the the development of what artificial intelligence is actually capable of. Okay, well, let's take a break at uh, at that. Um, juncture, and uh, we'll come back with some rapid fire questions. Well, welcome back to the Future Christian podcast. We're going to wrap up with our AI in ministry panel with a few rapid fire questions. And um, maybe we'll start with Lauren and uh, work our way around this, the screen here. Okay, my life would be dramatically altered without this technological device.
1: I was trying to think of something else besides my phone. So uh, <laughs> I decided on my smartwatch, I have a Garmin that makes it really handy when I'm going out for a run or a bike ride or things like that at the gym, workout suggestions. So I really like my Garmin small smartwatch. It wouldn't be drastically altered without it, but it is a really nice convenience that I like to utilize a lot.
2: Yeah, the watch and the phone, those are those are good answers. How about you, Jake?
4: Well yeah. Uh, it's hard to not say phone. Uh, absolutely. Uh it's <laughs> if it phone is an obvious one, of course, and that's immediately what I thought. Um more specifically on that, uh I'll say um earbuds and earphones and things like that because I like my music and my podcasts and my audiobooks and all that kind of audio stuff. So that would alter my life because how could I do dishes if I couldn't listen to anything? I don't know how to do it. Yeah,
2: for sure. Ryan.
3: Can I go really old school and reference something Jake said earlier and just go with books? If I had to lug around a codex or a scroll every time I wanted to read something new, it would really be tedious. So the fact that we have bound books that are relatively portable certainly makes conversations like this more fun.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would definitely say something about being a music lover and uh, being able to access an entire expanding library of, of music just in one little file on my phone rather than having to have 18 boxes of cds although i do still have the 18 boxes of cds sitting in my basement <laughs> okay if i were to unplug for 24 hours i want to spend my time doing this I'm taking a technology fast what are you going to do with your time jake you can go first this time
4: Um, I would write by hand, um, which is not my favorite thing to do, but I would definitely want to, uh, practice more. Remember what it's like to write something long form without the use of a computer and hope my goal in 2024 is to do some kind of monastic like retreat, silent technology free retreat thing. So I hope to actually get some writing on paper done.
2: Wow, I can feel the blisters on my fingers coming back just as you say that. I used to get those crazy blisters on my hands from writing out essays in high school. <laughs> Ryan, how about you?
3: I might take some time to play an instrument. You know, with how busy life has gotten lately, I don't often play the guitar or the piano or the trombone like I, I used to. And, uh, if I didn't constantly have email and Slack and WhatsApp to keep up with them, I do those things more frequently. I suppose I should also say I would spend a lot of quality time with my wife and kids, of course, but I would also probably play some, play some music.
2: Yeah. You definitely want to get the family in there for sure. Lauren, how about you?
1: This, this is technically a technology if we're going by Ryan's standards, but I'd love to mountain bike. Uh, I live within really real relatively easy driving distance to the mountains yet you know like brian alluded to like getting out there is real tough so it's technically a mountain bike is a technology but uh it's not the the kind of technology we're talking about i guess right
2: yeah we did say yeah, yeah, so yeah. you can definitely use your mountain bike <laughs> yeah I, I like the idea of spending some time playing the piano i would definitely read quite a bit as well but uh Lots of options for what to do with the technological fast. Okay. And finally, I most want the church to keep this in mind as we go forward in our human AI partnership. What are just some summary statements from our conversation today that you would want the church to hear the most? Lauren, why don't you start us off?
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna stay stay on what I said about the the preaching thing. Like I think there's something. Profound about the Holy Spirit's interaction with the human during the sermon prep, during the de- the delivery, and then during the human hearing and, and receiving the message. That I think there's something sacred and dare I say supernatural in that. So not that not that um, utilizing AI isn't not that it shouldn't be done, uh, but also like I wouldn't want just like to to put in a text, have it create an entire message, and then just me read that text, or even have an AI voice, you know, deliver a message. To me, that would be missing out on something.
2: Ryan,
3: where my mind first jumped to was uh, how singularly focused we tend to be about the the narrative of the church in decline, and declining attendance figures and i would just remind us that it's not your job individually to solve that challenge nor is it the job of ai to solve that challenge god shows up through word and sacrament and that's sufficient Mm. thank you
4: jake closing thoughts I would say always remember what technology extends when it extends it also diminishes something else it atrophies a part of what it means to be human so we can we should never lose sight of when there's advantages there's going to come there's it's going to be disadvantages but we can mitigate that by thinking critically about these technologies and being careful but how we use it to extend so that we don't diminish things that make us so uniquely human and children of God.
2: Hmm. Yeah. You know, I think as, uh, as we're wrapping up this conversation, I think what I would most want our listeners to hear is, um, the, the call to continue this conversation, because I, I'm really struck by just how, Um, you know, in the however many minutes that we've been talking, I think that we've identified tons of issues and really only just begun to explore um, how we tease out the answers and how we discern our way forward. Um, I'm also like just incredibly aware of how much this technology is evolving. And so the conversation is going to be a moving target. Um, So I really, really hope that our listeners will, um, will, kind of take the responsibility of creating those forums in ministry contexts and in the the life of the church to to be talking about this very seriously, prayerfully, um, putting the fears out there and and using kind of all of our human resources and our spiritual resources to talk through our way forward. I think it was Jake, you who said like it was either Jake or Ryan, like what better place than the community of the church to be having these kinds of conversations. So I really hope our, our um, listeners will, will take that seriously. Okay. Uh, ryan and jake where can people find you and follow your work and learn more and read more and engage more
3: well you can follow me at the website www.ryanpanzer.com I wrote a book a few years you years ago called grace and gigabytes being the church in a Tech shaped culture and some ways i feel like it's become more relevant since since it was uh Uh, since it was published uh and would certainly welcome anyone to reach out via my website to further the conversation
2: yeah and you put out a newsletter pretty um regularly that
3: usually about once a month yeah
2: yeah offers some further takes on the evolving Mm -hmm. conversation so i recommend that very much how about you jake where can people find you
4: I also have a website that is just my name, jakedoberins.com. If you don't know how to spell that, hopefully Lauren spelled it right in the show notes, so you can go there, jakedoberins.com. I wrote the book, uh, AI in Church and Ministry, Applications of Artificial Intelligence for Faith Communities. So that just came out where I tried to explore some different potential uses of this technology. And I also have a newsletter as well called Faithful and Funny. You can find that over on Substack, jakedobrins.substack.com, where I send a weekly uh, email with a s- funny story with some kind of spiritual point. And I do talk about technology um, every so often. let check that out.
2: Okay, well, we always uh, end our future christian podcasts with a word of peace so the peace of god be with each of you and thank you so much for your wisdom and insight today
1: and also with you
0: and also with you and also with you thanks for joining us on the future christian podcast to learn more about lauren or the podcast visit future-christian.com one more thing before you go do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast And if you're feeling especially generous, leave a review. It really helps us get the word out to more people about the podcast. The Future Christian Podcast is a production of Torn Curtain Arts and Resonate Media. Our episodes were mixed by Danny Burton, and the production support is provided by Paul roe Thanks, and go in peace.